Hello, my name's Randall, and I'd like to speak today about hope. And hope to me is like bread. Forgive me if I have to stop once in a while. But um, growing up, my childhood basically consisted of fear and terror. And um, I survived my childhood uh, by adrenaline, self-discipline, physical fitness, and the fact that I knew my father loved me. As an adult, I became a firefighter, achieving one of my big goals, and I got married, and I became a believer in Christ and follower at 25. Um, and those coping skills that I acquired as a child, or a young man, um, they served me well as, an as a firefighter. Uh, they, they play into what I did. Um, and the, um, the becoming a Christian kept me in the middle of the road, otherwise I would have completely derailed. And uh, those coping skills grew into extreme physical fitness, involvement in extreme sports, um, adrenaline, and of course what turned out to be my best friend, and that was discipline. Um, around age 40, I became involved in uh, missions in Peru and uh, the Amazon jungle uh, with a group of indigenous peoples. And I did that for 10 plus years. I'd go down once or twice a year for up to six weeks. And those skills that I'd acquired, outdoor skills, they played really heavy into that, and I became really effective at what I did. And so um, I started to have a picture as to, in my mind, as to why what had happened to me had happened, because I now had purpose, you know. And then uh, after a while, I uh, had the opportunity to retire from my beloved job and become a full-time missionary in Brazil. It took two years to get ready for that. We did it, my wife and myself, and then uh, two missionaries from Peru, they left and went with us. And we went down there. It took two years to get ready. We were there 30 days, and the money that had been set aside um, for this long-term, several-year engagement stopped. The guy who had it with this corporation just got up and left without any answer, any reason, just left with the money for this foundation. So we sat there and watched it rain until we could get a ride home on a plane. We were there for 30 days. When I got home, my whole purpose in life, my whole reason for life, and my whole explanation that seemed to me to be laser beam dissipated. My life began to crumble. And it deteriorated uh, to the point that I had no point. Um, all my stuff failed me, my discipline, my extreme fitness, and everything disintegrated to the point that I was ready for life to be over. There was no point in life anymore. I had nothing to accomplish, nothing to overcome. I was hopeless. I was without hope. And then on a whim, just because I had the opportunity, there was a gal named Joan Nolan who was a Christian counselor. And so I wanted somebody to know my story before I died. Nobody knew my story. And so I told her, and once I told her, it's like somebody walked up and flipped that switch in the back of my head. And all the fear and all the sadness washed over me like a tidal wave. It caught me off guard. So I spent a year in therapy uh, being treated for post-traumatic stress disorder. And at the end of that year, I started to come through it. She goes, you're pretty much done now. But she goes, the next couple of years is going to be kind of hard for you because you have to adjust to this type of thinking. Your brain's never had to work like this before. And about that time, God coordinated me and my wife's move up to here. I, I say coordinated, I think more of it like being a watermelon seed squished between somebody's fingers. You know, you don't have a whole lot of choice where you're going. And so we ended up coming up here. And lo and behold, um, 
she was right. Uh, time's got hard for me up here. And um, as you start this cycle, something will kick you back into this cycle. And this cycle may take months or it may take whatever time. I was in one of my deepest cycles. And some stuff that would have been nothing to me was crumbling me up like a ball. And um, I lost all faith in prayer. No, I, no, that's not the word. I didn't believe in prayer. I'd seen too much and it meant nothing. But at that point, I begged God for help. And I asked him for four specific things. Four specific things. And I got up off my knees and I walked down the road in front of my house. And within just a couple minutes, the very first thing I asked for, he answered with laser precision. I mean, just like, like a laser beam. Exactly what I'd asked for. I walked down a little further, and there was another man waiting for me. He asked, answered the second thing with laser beam precision. I mean, like, and it like took me back. And so that happened just right away, within 20 minutes of my prayer. Can't explain it any other reason it was God's hand. The next two things I asked for, one was I asked that we would have a, a church home. So I could have some comfort because I didn't know a soul. I didn't even know the rats running around in my front yard. I didn't know anything. And so me and my wife came to this church, and we sit right over there. And it wasn't a joyous occasion. It was one of these. We're just looking for a church home. And uh, that counselor told me two things. Things were going to be hard for the next two years. And she also said she gave me a little spiel about living in the moment. And as me and my wife sit there. Joe over here, who I didn't know who he was, was sitting in this corner and they were giving testimony. And they handed him the microphone and he repeated back word for word the last thing that she told me about living in the moment. I mean, word for word. I looked at my wife and I said, did you hear that? And she goes, yeah, I did. And so we knew this was the place. And as we got up to leave, we were met by a man named Kevin, this big guy. And he met me like I was like his long lost brother. He didn't remember me. He didn't know who I was. I've never been greeted by anybody kinder. I knew this was the place to be. Um, second thing was I'd ask for some comfort, and I met a Christian from Siberia on a fishing boat. And after I told him I was a Christian, he stood up in the loudest voice he could, sang me a song about God, all the choruses. <laughs> after, he'd, after he'd sang every course and had the rest of the boat standing there watching him, he just stood this far from me and sang <laughs> to the loft top of his voice. We sat down, and he visited with me for about an hour or two. He was the most uplifting man I've ever met in my life, and he explained to me God's perspective on prayer. That was, that was directed at me. And so what I want to tell you is um, not the, the point of all this stuff is not my story and what took place in my life and stuff. The thing that is important is from that retrospect, what I learned is this. I have to turn this over because I get kind of emotional. I get where I'm at. Is that, uh, number one, God is who he says he is. Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And I learned from this that he cares for me and he loves me. I learned from this that I'm not alone. And I learned from this that if he has the power to overcome death, he has the power to do whatever's necessary in my life to keep me where he wants me. And from that, I take hope. Because I know there's going to be more hard days for me ahead of time. The fact that Jesus Christ is with me, I have hope. I'm not alone. And uh, and it's all not because of I was in Peru or because I was did this or did that or I observed any religious ordinance or anything. Simply because of the fact of who he is. And that he's a loving God. And he loves me. And he's with me. And that's hope. And when you don't have hope, it's like being a starving man. It really is. And then the second thing I'm going to tell you is that Gary called me and asked me, my first reflex is always, yeah, let's roll. And then I'm thinking about it, I go, I don't want to do this. And so I was going for the phone to pick it up, and instantly I had this picture in my head, popped into my mind, this story, that there was a starving man 
God came and gave him this bread, and it was these whole loaves. It wasn't sliced, and it was really heavy, and it was really dark. This is during the day, I just thought. And he was starving. He could eat it by the mouthfuls, and it was just piled behind him more than he could ever eat. And um, then after he ate it, he looked out, and there was some starving people out there. And he started to go give them some of the bread. But then he stopped because he knew that if he shared his story, they would knew at one point in his life he was a starving man. And that was me. What God was saying is that don't choose your pride or your image over sharing your bread of hope. And, um, and so we need to share our hope or our bread with a starving world. And I, I believe that there's people starving in here for hope right now. And I know that you can't tell what's going on behind people's eyes until you share your story of hope, until you share your story of starvation and how God brought you bread. And so for me, um, those are the two things I wanted to pass on to you. That I have hope, and that hope, his name is Jesus Christ. And um, I encourage you to share your story with other people because there's people starving all around us. And uh, praise be to the name of God who rose from the dead, Jesus Christ. Thank you.